1: G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode 1304, not Thor, mm. but Thor, <laughs> although I think I actually do have a track today that's got some lightning playing in it, so there you go. Hi, I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are with today's episode, which is post-radiothon.
0: Yes, thank you so much to everyone who subscribed during Radiothon, and of course, all of our sponsors and listeners, and you know everyone who's thrown us a thought during uh, this Radiothon and this tricky year. We do really appreciate it. So, and Radiothon's always so fun, and I think even remotely, uh, it was really nice to feel in in the Radiothon spirit.
1: Mm. Yes, well, we're all about spirits here on Zero G, <laughs> not not generally the alcoholic kind, if I shall say that. Uh, and before we uh, get into anything else, I know. Look, I know it's a bit blah at the moment, uh, and um, I think uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer summed it all up quite effectively in the opening number from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical. Once more, we're feeling. So if you feel like you're going through the motions at the moment, you're not the only ones. Yeah, (laughs) the Slayer. And (laughs) I I think that really just sums up everybody's mood in in Melbourne, at least at the moment. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And so continuing on in our theme from last week, during Radiothon, we were trying to boost morale a bit with a few inspirational speeches. Now, we had actually programmed the content for the whole show last week <laughs> and were overwhelmed with the generosity of the pledges to subscribe for R. and we basically ended up reading out most of those for the whole show. <laughs> so, but, of course,
0: you know, these boosts are relevant any week, so I'm kind of happy that we can still carry these
1: on. Because, indeed, the, the apocalypse just keeps on giving. Doesn't it, though? So, we're uh, going to have a few little bits of inspirational media today, and as well as have a little look at the uh, the new Arthurian series, Cursed, on Netflix. Ooh. You have to say that like that, don't you? Cursed! And it, well, actually, you could do it like Merlin speaks in... Um, uh, John Borman's Excalibur movie. He's very theatrical, and uh, he always he would say, "Cursed." <laughs> All right, now um, I have a little bit of a track here from Iron Man two, and it's not actually an inspirational speech, but it's Tony Stark in his lab, and Pepper Potts walks into the lab, and they have this little exchange that I thought was highly relevant to the pandemic. Okay. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. Screwball comedy duo there from the 2000 and... Uh, which what year was that, dude? 2008 movie... Um, oh, actually, it's Iron Man 2, sorry. So it's a little bit late. 2008? It's a little bit later than that. That's a couple. That's years still years. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, the the relevance there to the pandemic, of course, was uh, Tony was worried about getting the sniffles from Pe- Pe- Pepper and uh, wanted to be socially distanced from her. But of course, he has the the ultimate um, personal protective equipment there anyway, so it doesn't really matter, does it? All right, now uh, I have another inspirational speech here, but we have a what we were calling uh, some blurts some little Mm, bits of information. Uh, Do you have one there, Megan?
0: I do indeed. So it's kind of just little bits and bobs that Rob and I have picked up over our time we thought we'd share and make sure you were aware of. So a little while ago, Rob did a really, I thought, wonderful review of the Lovecraft Country novel or set of short stories, which were about uh, it was about a man's journey through the South and through America in 1950s era, and it sort of tackled issues of segregation and whatnot, but with a Lovecraftian twist. So we did mention back then when Rob covered it on the show, it was a little while ago now, that HBO was doing an adaptation of that. So it's now available to stream. In Australia, so you can catch that on binge, where you can find the HBO stuff. So it's kind of a horror drama piece, and again, it's a road trip story. tackles some of the the issues that are quite pressing, I think, um, both now and you know always. And so, check that out if you were interested in Rob's review, and also if you like a good HBO horror drama i think it sounds pretty interesting and it's got journey smollett bell who was in uh, birds of prey which we also covered on zero g she's in that too so i'd be keen to check that out i didn't read the book um but rob what's your take on it you think you'll check it out keen not keen what's your vibe
1: well absolutely um i know um a uh, fellow Triple R broadcaster, Richard Watts, has actually seen some episodes of it, and he was he was giving it a pretty good uh, thumbs up, at least for the first episode. So yeah, I'm definitely there to check it out. I mean how how often do you have a Lovecraftian television series? Act- well, well. Wow.
0: <laughs> but I think I mean the one thing, and you pointed this out in your review as well, is that Lovecraft is also, I mean, what should we say, infamous for having some less than great. Perspectives on issues of race and so forth. So I think it's actually very, very interesting to kind of bring this all together and kind of tackle some of this stuff. I'd be interested to see how they do it. Let's put it that way.
1: Mm. Now I also heard that the uh, the indigenous produced documentary, and that's actually how I have to put it <laughs> because it was it was not quite what I thought. Um, it was on at Miff, and it's called Looky, Lucky, Here Comes Cookie." <laughs> <laughs> mm. Which is just such a great, a great title. Uh, it's um, about a modern day song line. So we talked about it as part of our Melbourne International Film Festival uh, riff, our riff on myth, and it's already available on SBS On Demand. Mm. So mm. that's pretty quick with its unique point of view about the arrival of Captain Cook down under. It's well worth checking out SBS On Demand, and they also have the seminal nineteen seventies horror series, The Night Stalker starring Darren McGavin as the intrepid newspaper reporter Carl Kolschak, uh, which inspired a great deal of modern television horror series, far too many Absolutely. to even list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and are you missing Doctor Who? <laughs> I mean, always, right? <laughs> always. The The BBC has announced a multi-platform story called Time Lord Victorious, warping our way in September And continuing on for 12 weeks, it spans audios, novels, comics, vinyl, digital, immersive theatre, escape rooms and games. It's set at the dawn of time and it stars the 8th, 9th and 10th Doctors in a battle against a powerful foe. And yes, that's Paul McGann, David Tennant and... Christopher Eccleston reprising their roles. Eccleston returning to his incarnation of the Doctor that rebooted the series for the 21st century. Um, Billy Piper is also reprising her role as companion Rose. And, and as this goes to air, I've also heard of um, a, a whisper, a rumour that there are some missing Doctor Who episodes which are being checked out at the moment. Um, interesting yeah so uh, this could be the the another treasure trove of who episodes but they're they're like fairy gold you you uh, spend them when you get them because you never know if it's just going to be something that we've already got before or or it might be something totally unrelated or it might not even eventuate but that's an interesting yeah. rumor megan do you have any goals uh, to uh
0: i Did want to? I'll quickly shout out one final thing that I have started but not yet finished, and I thought we'll probably maybe cover this on the show in the future. But there's a new Netflix original documentary series that's on Netflix, obviously, and it's called High Score, and it's a six part series, and it talks a lot about the origin and evolution of the video game industry. And so that's something I'm really interested in, and it starts off way back in the era of your arcade games, Pac Man. So on and so forth, Pong, Atari, and kind of travels from there. So I haven't watched it all yet, but from what I've seen, which was just episode one, very interesting stuff. And I always like to know the history behind some of these things. And obviously, they very do very well produced docos as well. So just a bit of a shout out to that. Probably I'll finish polish that off and then do a proper review at some point in the future.
1: Now we've been selecting some um, speeches and tracks that we thought might be a little bit uplifting just to help raise your spirits at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the next track that we want to play riffs off this little blurt that I've just heard about, uh, Jurassic World Dominion. So this is another entry in that long running saga now about the dinosaurs now that they're they're loose in the normal world outside of um, the island. And, well, this is one of those films that you'd think would be stalled by the, the pandemic, but they're actually going ahead with filming uh, at the moment, and they've done this incredible kind of setup up about, about um, uh, safety precautions and stuff. So they've they've got, like, you know, 100-page procedure manual. They've hired a whole hotel out to put all the cast and crew in. They, are like, separated the crew into people who need to be on the set and people who don't be, so, like... Um, uh, production staff making making the costumes, uh, doing the uh, the sets, etc. Who don't actually wow. have to be there? They, they all sort of ship that stuff in later Bam. on. Yep, and they're like testing people uh, three times a week, and you know. Wow.
0: Okay. Yep. So they've got a whole like situation going on, basically.
1: Yeah, I actually think it's an amazing setup. We'll see. I mean, you know, as they said in the article that I read, they, they're the guinea pigs, basically. Yeah, we'll see if um, Hollywood could make it work with this kind
0: of system and then hopefully some other things can go back into production.
1: Well, I don't think they're actually making the main part of it in Hollywood, but never mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood is an idea, you know,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the stars and all that. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a concept. It's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, just not something that they're actually making. And, you know, just to be serious for a moment there, a bit of a um, commiserations with uh, all of Zero G's many friends in the United States of America and the absolutely dismal time that they're living through there at the moment. All right, so having lowered the mood again, then let's lift it up with John Williams' soaring theme for Jurassic Park, which is a, a one that that always manages to make me crane my Brontosaurian-like neck up very, very high. Uh, Okay, maybe it's not the best ad for science, if you think about it. In fact, is there any Michael Crichton-derived movie or plot that that is a good advertisement for science? I think not. This is Carly Chan, author of The Dark Heavens and Journey to Wudung trilogies, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 rrfm FM. Ah. What an anthem. Yeah. What
0: a score. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what an insurance risk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we just a general bad idea
1: altogether,
0: but beautifully scored and action-packed yeah. for sure.
1: Jurassic Park 1990. My, Gosh. Yeah, it's, it's practically fossilised itself now. John, William, <laughs> John Williams there at the, the helm. I've always imagined that that would make a fairly easy song if you could put lyrics to it, because that that riff is like "there's a dinosaur," da da da, you know. So it's it's pretty easy, isn't it? All right, um, I actually want to play another a few uh, some of our our tracks of inspirational speeches to help lift you up there, out there in the world, in the dreaming city, in. Uh, Melnabone, as Elric of the Stormbringer saga would call it, we also know it as Melbourne. <laughs> so,
0: Melbourne, mate. Melbourne.
1: Melbourne. Melbourne. Oh, no, I know. I was say Melbourne because I have a problem with identity. In fact, it's the Melbourne identity. Anyway, uh, so let's have um, another great hero from the science fiction canon to talk up humanity in this clip from Doctor Who. The Ark in Space. And this is Tom Baker talking to Surgeon Lieutenant Harry Sullivan, played by Ian Marta. And this was the second serial of the 12th season of Doctor Who. It came out in 1975 and it was written by Robert Holmes and John Lucarotti. This is Rob Sherman and you're listening to Zero G. Yeah, Mankind. Tom Baker, the Fourth Doctor, talking to Harry Sullivan, played by Ian Marta, in The Ark in Space. All right, well. Um, For the next thing that will lift your mood, uh, Mm -hmm. probably one of my, pretty much one of my favourite movies of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Favourite two movies, that is. Avengers Infinity Game and Avengers, sorry, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, Mm -hmm. the Russo Brothers' masterpieces of superhero cinema. And this is a, a sort of a munged together clip from near the end of Endgame. Uh, it's all looking pretty bleak. Captain America's famous shield has been shattered by Thanos, who's Oof. who's collected all the Infinity Stones. Uh, oh, I can't actually get it. It's very timey-wimey if I try and explain all of this. <laughs> so I will not try and do it. It takes them like 45 minutes to just work it out in the film. Okay, so anyway... um it's in a battlefield the battlefield that avengers combat, compound has become thanos thanos's forces have landed and mm-hmm. the big the big purple guy is about to beat down on poor old captain america who's gritted his teeth and stood up as he always does and this time it isn't actually cap's speech that uh, i'm so much interested in as the fact that uh, he finally gets to say, Avengers assemble. Um, As he stands up, the portals, the mystic portals, Arranged by Doctor Strange and his students and and uh, and fellow masters of the mystic arts, they they crack open, and all of the other Avengers, reborn from the ashes. Boy, I'm really spoiling this, but hey, it's been. <laughs> You've right. had time to watch it. They will come pouring through as guardians, yeah. ravagers from out in the galaxy. Uh, the it still brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, yeah, just just um, setting this up t- to me as well. The Wakandans are there too. And even mm. Howard the Duck comes through the portal. <laughs> and, of course, this is the, the trigger for the ultimate battle um, where A-Force gets together, the female Avengers, riffing off um, a popular comic book arc. And uh, also we get the, uh, the amazing sacrifice of that great noble humanitarian Tony Stark, Iron Man. Uh, And so, yeah, I thought we'd just play that clip. It includes some of that absolutely terrific Avengers movie theme as well.
0: Hi, this is Joss Whedon, creator of Serenity, Buffy, and Angel. Welcome to New Melbourne, home of Fish, Fish based activities, Zero G, and Radio 3 Triple R FM. Triple R, it's independent radio, and it aims to misbehave.
1: Yeah. Can you dig it? <laughs> a little bit of an extended clip there from the Avengers Endgame, just to raise the mood. If I played a clip from Avengers Infinity War, it would have just plunged you into ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the Can You Dig It's from Iron Man 3. Uh, Brian Tyler there, the composer of that one. All right. So forging a head or forging a sword, actually. Uh, to the Netflix series Cursed, <laughs> <laughs> which I have watched in its entirety. Uh, have you had a chance to check it out, Megan?
0: Yeah, so I've watched, I think, a couple of episodes, so decent, width, and they're long, so a couple of hours into it actually, so I've got a bit of a feel for it, yeah.
1: Do you know, I I just assumed from the, the visuals of it uh, on the advertisements that it was just another... Um, Uh, fantasy series, you know, along the lines Mm. of um, uh, The Witcher or any of of the other recent ones all sort of following on in the wake of Game of Thrones. And and it is to some extent exactly that, but it's also, which I found to my delight, an Arthurian series, which is another one of my passions, um, about the matter of Britain. And it's uh, created by Frank Miller, who we all know from Ronan and Daredevil, Born Again, The Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, Sin City, and 300, which is to say the original graphic novel or comic book sources for those items, which many of which have been turned into movies. And uh, also uh, so many other bits and pieces, but this one. Um, in particular, I hadn't realised he had an interest in uh, in the matter of Arthur. Me neither. And and they actually do use um, some uh graphics as as cut scene sort of segues in the uh, in the television series. And I don't know if they're actually taken from mm. um, Miller's work on this.
0: It's a very distinct style. I kind of really like those little cut scene animation. Transitions. I thought they were pretty cool and a little bit different, actually.
1: So yeah, I, I'm going to have to chase those down because you know it's it's mm. it's it's Arthur. <laughs> so okay, Tom Wheeler is the uh, the television side of the the partnership with the creative duo for this one, uh, and he was the uh, exec producer and showrunner for NBC's superhero series, The Cape. Uh, mm. Not to be confused with um, anything to do with. Uh, uh, rocketry or anything like that. Um, he also did the uh, the Puss in Boots screenplay in 2011, uh, which was the uh, Shrek spin-off. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, with Antonio Banderas. Yeah, uh, who I hope is recovering well from um, COVID-19, by the way.
0: Oh, I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. okay. Uh,
1: anyway, this um, Cursed Project, uh, they started working on that around about 2018 um, and – it was uh, this was a uh, an illustrated young adult book, and it's all from the point of view of the lady of the lake or uh, uh, Nimue in the um, in the story here, uh, and so Miller did the uh, the black and white and colour um, illustrations for uh, for cursed, and then they all adapted it into this ten episode uh, series. So an interesting sort of a collaboration there, and and I think it it works pretty well from what i've i've seen and that's the whole first season again is this another one where we will never see the second season who knows mm-hmm. it's um it's filmed in the uk uh and and boy the the actual um woodland scenery in this is fantastic it, it feels just like the setting i think that it should be i think that um It's uh, filmed on an army basis sort of reserve, which explains why so much of it it's kind of like just basically woodland. But anyway, um, I actually watched this and I thought, okay, it's a little bit twee at the start. Um, Mm, mm. And and to paint the picture, it's it's set in the Dark Ages, as we used to call them, Uh, but until um, archaeology and other – Elements have illuminated those times a bit more for us. Um, So we are talking about post-Roman Britain. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Romans have have left the land or else they've um, assimilated into it. And so what's happening is that the Saxons are invading Britain from over the seas and essentially there's a time of turmoil. And boy, Mm -hmm. is there what in this show? Oh.
0: It doesn't pull punches. I mean, or actually it pulls plenty of them and sword cutting and all kinds of things to boot. Like it's there's it says blood and gore and there is blood and gore.
1: It it feels like um it does feel like Game of Thrones. There are so many factions, but mm. the reason why that is is because Game of Thrones actually feels more like the matter of Arthur. You know, mm. so there's mm. it's one of those sort of um later art. <laughs> has been influenced by the previous one a long time ago with all the tropes and so on. So anyway, um, the essential story is that uh, Nimue is a a young woman who lives in a a small village with other characters who are also of the fae. And as you know from fantasy, that usually means they're some kind of fairy folk. Uh, Mm. And she has powers. Um, mm-hmm. which are to do with uh, working with – I was going to say she's a woodworker. <laughs> she <laughs> she li- literally is. She can bring forests to life or at least um, unlock their hidden potential for plants to move very, very fast in human terms if yes. necessary. She has a few other, uh, a few other uh, moves, shall we say, which will become apparent throughout the course of the series. And she is played by – uh, uh, Katrina,
0: Katrina Langford. Langford,
1: yes. And where do we know her from?
0: So she was probably sort of came to light in Thirteen Reasons Why, which is another teen-focused uh, Netflix series. It's based on a book series as well, and of course we saw her more recently in Knives Out as Meg, uh, I think Meg this sounds right. And I think she's actually Australian as well. And yeah, she plays the lead role in this. And it's a, it's a meaty one because Nimue is unlikable in some ways, but also you can tell she's very magnetic and strong character that you want to root for as well. And I was thinking about it and I think she does a really great job of, she's very appealing on screen. I think, I think she does have the chops to carry a show like this and it could have you know, you really need someone who can center this whole thing, especially when you're running around here and there. You've got different uh, storylines popping up, and different people doing who knows what, where, and when. And I, I thought, in the bits that I saw, she she really could carry it. What does she keep it up throughout the series? Or yes,
1: and she does evolve into the into the role as she goes along. Uh, as you may know from your Arthurian studies, Nimue is the Lady of the Lake. As well, in one of her many incarnations, uh, it's really impossible to encompass all of all of the uh, permutations and combinations of this character throughout the ages, both in mythology and within fictional. I suppose it's the same thing, really, uh, within uh, <laughs> literature and mm. uh, movies and television and whatever uh, whatever other mediums uh, the matter of afra has washed up into over the years. That particular character. Gets confused with other characters and blended in with other ones. And the interesting thing about uh, Langford for me is that she played the um, the role of teenage um, Morgan Stark
0: Ah,
1: in Avengers. Yes, okay, in Avengers Endgame, but she was actually cut from the film. But
0: yes, I did know about that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So anyway, but and speaking of Morgan, of course there is a Morgana in this series, Mm -hmm. as well as a King, uh, well as a, a young Arthur not yet a king, mm-hmm. um, other characters who will be very familiar, who I shall say are surnameless so at this stage because I don't want to give too much away. And uh, I noticed that um, Arthur is played by um, uh, Devon Terrell, who is another mm-hmm. uh, Australian actress, uh, sorry, actor. Well, I shouldn't He was, wasn't born here in Australia but moved to Perth at age five. Oh. And um, – he played Barack Obama in uh, the two thousand and sixteen biographical film Barry. <laughs> so, oh, I can
0: see it. Yeah, I, can, I I can, can see,
1: see it. See, he's actually um, Anglo-Indian in his heritage, and Interesting. that places him in a in a special category here. And it reminds me of Hamilton mm-hmm. of the the uh, deliberate non-Caucasian casting for that, which enabled. African Americans to claim some of the founding father story of the United States for themselves, and in this case, it kind of works the same way for after the Britons. Um, yeah, and it's not.
0: I mean, I like I like the idea too. That I mean, obviously with Hamilton, it's quite uh, intentional, but I also sort of like the idea that Devin came along and he he. Audition for the role and he just was the best choice and like he just happened to not to be a person of colour and I kind of like that idea as well that they weren't like okay we should we should cast someone you know in this role that's not white but they maybe he was just the best one for the job like I think either way um it's really nice to see a little bit more representation in this story for sure. Mm.
1: It also for me provides an echo of uh, Guinevere being cast as a person of colour in um uh the merlin series from a few years oh, back yeah. as well mm, mm, mm. so you know I, I think this is all for all for the good um <laughs> uh it, it is uh it is too intricate a pun to call about uh, to say arthur is woke in this because <laughs> that is something that flows through arthur, arthurian mythology anyway um this is a, one of a long long line of arthurian television series mm. and uh, as I said, the, uh, we mentioned Merlin before, but you know, going all the way back to the Adventures of Sir Galahad from the uh, the early late forties, uh, uh, Sir Lancelot, um, uh Arthur of the Britons, the Legend of King Arthur, which was a favourite of mine, Mists of Avalon, and uh, the more, most recent one I think was probably the Camelot series with um, Ava Green, and uh, mm. you know, so. Which wasn't particularly great, but you know Ava. Ava, I watch Ava Green in anything. Even she's spectacular. Even that dreadful sequel to Three Hundred, I still enjoy seeing. Yeah, she plays Artemisia in that. Uh, Anyway, um, that's not the show we're talking about here. We are talking (laughs) about Cursed, and let's have a a little bit of a track here, um, which is not from Cursed, but it is from. uh, Excalibur, the John Moore, Borman movie, so that is um, with Nicole Williamson and uh, Nigel Terry, I think, was his, the actor's name, playing a young King Arthur. And Merlin and Arthur are wandering in the woods. Uh, Arthur's having a bit of a crisis of conscience, and um, Merlin is explaining about how the land and the king are one and there's a dragon and, and lightning, and Nicole Williamson has just been Absolutely over the top as Merlin the magician.
0: Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app.
1: Eccentric um, Arthurian characters. Uh, Merlin, played by Nicole <laughs> Williamson, in *Cursed*, which we're talking about now. Um, Merlin is played by one of the Scars Guards. Ah. <laughs> oh, if he,
0: if he, actually one of. Those Scars Guards, or yep, yep. Oh, yeah, no, you, when I look at his face again, yeah, you can tell
1: <laughs> all, all destined to play uh wizards and all sorts of other people, you know, who are of eccentric proclivities. And he looks great, and he Kennywise, he <laughs> ab- yeah, he develops so well in this one. Um, mm. it, it is uh, and I've forgotten which actual Scars Guard it was. I'm so sorry there. Uh,
0: oh gu- gustav.
1: gustav gustav skarsgård yeah um you know and he just looks so much the part and he's got the great delivery and he's one of the excellent most excellent characters in the show i think i feel like um curse takes a couple of few a couple of episodes to uh to crank up properly um mm-hmm. but once mm-hmm. it gets going it's really there all of the interlocking factions uh so interesting there's the 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 fae the people of the woods who were there before the romans came and um and before the christians came to to Mm -hmm. harass them uh then of course there are the uh the red paladins the christian faction Mm -hmm. who are there to try and scourge the land of the fae who they uh, perceive as pagan heathen horrible monsters because many of them um are part human and, and part uh, deer or uh, wild boar or, you know, there, there's, a, there's an entire anthropomorphic thing here, which, of course, echoes off in T.H. White's Once and Future King um, with um, animals and uh, be- people being able to turn into animals and all sorts of other magical manifestations. Um, and, you know, then there's uh, Uther Pendragon who, who represents a sort of uh, – legitimate um, uh, stamp of authority upon the land or is he? then there are the, mm-hmm. then there are the Saxons and some other sea raiders too <laughs> um, the Church of Rome uh, reaching its long hand into into Britain as well. Mm. it's it's a very complicated setup but it just keeps getting more complicated. Mm-hmm. but they handle it well, and I was very impressed. At the final episode, which I won't give away too much about, in fact, nothing at all apart from the fact that they land it very, very well, all of this complexity, and you find finally find out why Merlin has such a reputation throughout the story. Okay. Um, there, Do, does it leave us on a cliffhanger, though? Well, you know, it is the first season, uh, so <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I really love this show. It's it's gutsy. Um, it, it's got a lot of interest for an Arthurian buff of uh, my long, long standing. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, you'll find echoes of uh, so many different Arthurian. Um, tie-in and spin-off books from the 70s all the way through to the 2000s in it too very familiar themes for people i mean that that oppression of the uh the indigenous religion in britain um by the christians uh that's been run through many a novel so mm. yeah uh cursed on netflix 10 episodes did, did you enjoy it overall
0: I did, I did. I think there was, I wasn't really sure what it was. I didn't know much about it. I knew there about a bit of the Arthurian flavour because we discussed it a little beforehand. But overall, I didn't know it was Frank Miller related. I didn't know whether it was going to be sort of a young adulty type thing or if it was going to be more dark. And, it, yeah, I think it takes a little bit to grip onto. I think there's a lot here. I think it, there's a bit of good tension and some of the sort of the zealot-like Scenes with the kind of religious fervor stuff was quite disturbing. Like it really did kind of they played it very well. I think some of that imagery I think was very, very powerful. And, yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, I like her. Sorry, I got her name wrong. Her name's Catherine Langford. Uh, I like her a lot. Whether I'll keep watching it all the way through, I mean, I think with the endorsement for you I may keep going with it. I wonder, I think I want to give it one more episode to see what it has in store for me. And then I'll decide from then whether I want to keep going with it. Cause a couple of episodes isn't really enough for these Netflix things. You need a good like three or four to, to see where it's going to take you. I think we're just done with the setup. So I need to see a little bit more momentum. But overall, I think I'm glad they're making stuff like this. I think it's pretty cool. Female led um kind of existing stuff that's really nice to learn a little bit more about different angles on Arthurian. So, thumbs up from me with a potential on for my personal taste whether I'll keep watching it.
1: There's just lots of lo- little fun vignettes in it. Well, okay, apart from the blood and the gore. Um but, you know, uh, King Uther Pendragon and his mum <laughs> is kept like locked up sort of in a tower in the in the castle and um, she's a a well-known poisoner. <laughs> so in her in her chambers she has like all these uh, cakes and sweets and desserts that she's been experimenting with and next to them are all these dead insects that have tried to eat them and when people come in to see her they 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 look at all this spread and they go oh that looks nice oh maybe not <laughs> so, so it does have this like sort of quirky face sense of humor it does remind me of a lot of the other old arthurian tv shows but a lot more full-on than those because of course yeah. now we've all got to ramp up to uh, game of throne levels
0: Exactly, we can
1: slice stuff in half in
0: the first episode. Yeah, <laughs>
1: so it's called Cursed, and it's on Netflix at the moment with ten episodes. So a nice little fantasy series, and and I really respected the the way that they lent into the Arthurian tropes and and started exploring some of them in uh, in ways that will be familiar to Arthurian fans in general. Nice. All right, so what will we go out to? with today um we shall have i think a bit of david bowie not, not music this time but this is david bowie in the movie the prestige and uh, as you may recall from that film from 2006 uh, it's a christopher nolan film of course and it, it's basically got uh, it's based from on a christopher priest um story and it's got uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale in it. And David Bowie plays um, Nicola Tesla. I mean, it's also got Scarlett Johansson and Michael Caine as well, and a- as Andy Circus. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people in there for us to watch. But with Bowie as Tesla, which is just a brilliant bit of casting.
0: Oh,
1: so good. Yeah, and uh, Hugh Jackman's character goes to him to get um, uh, a-, a new uh, magic trick to uh, enhance his prestige on the on the stage and and Bowie comes up with Bowie and Tesla come up with because they are one and the same in this film they come up with um, a, a matter duplicator <laughs>
0: <laughs> great idea yeah nothing can go wrong there yeah.
1: <laughs> well there's more to it than that, of course, because it's a Christopher Nolan movie, but if you haven't seen yeah. it i won't spoil it oh
0: you should yeah you should watch it and i don't want to spoil anything so you should absolutely just watch it yeah
1: so anyway this this particular segment is basically um uh, david bowie appearing as nikola tesla out of the lightning from his um his massive uh vandegraaff generator and other electrical wonders Uh, so you'll hear all of that lightning crackling around him and then he goes off and sits down and has lunch with um with hugh jackman and uh Jackman puts his hat down at one stage. There's a couple of things munged together in this clip and uh, it it gets into the matter duplicator. At least that's the way we'll play it here for you today. So Joe Brunetti coming up next with Astral Glamour. And thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kayla, our podcaster. And also thank you, the listeners and subscribers to Free Triple R FM. Well done all.